for your giving this morning. We appreciate it, and I know that God's going to bless you for that. Amen. You guys look fantastic. Thanks for coming out in the cold this morning. <laughs> I'm looking around, and Jessica's like, where is everybody? I said, it snowed. I don't know. <laughs> Not that that should be a big problem for us here in West Michigan, but maybe this year, right? And it's been slippery, and we understand that, and so uh, we... Uh, we pray that everyone is safe and uh, made made their way in this morning. Well, we've been preaching, or I've been preaching, uh, a set of messages on a supernatural God and kind of addressing a hunger and thirst for God, uh, asking for more of God, not only individually but corporately, that we would experience God in a powerful way. Uh, and my heart is that not only would we be able to you know, look at God's Word and uh, say, okay, what does it say from a theological standpoint or from our understanding? But then we would also experience God moving in our lives. And for some, that's, you know, a real stretch. And so for some, I've been saying that, boy, even if we can just kind of scratch the surface a bit and maybe stir up some curiosity in the Holy Spirit, um, then we'd be successful as well. Uh, so depending on your background and things like that. We've been talking about the Holy Spirit, how he was active throughout Scripture. And you read from Genesis all the way to Revelation, you can see this, the Holy Spirit's activity through Scripture. Sometimes he was more pronounced than others, but there's a, a common theme throughout Scripture that the Holy Spirit, from Genesis 1-1 right through the end of Revelation. We also looked at why we need the Holy Spirit in our lives a couple weeks ago. And we said we need the Holy Spirit in our lives for one primary reason, is to battle the flesh inside of us, to address the sin in our lives. Because we know that the flesh, when it gets a hold, we, and when we live by the flesh, you cannot live by the Spirit and live in the flesh at the same time. And so whether, if we want to live by the Spirit, we got to deny our flesh and the Holy Spirit. He's active in our lives to help us in that, and I'm thankful for that. We also talked last week about our witness and how important it is for us to be uh, doing the natural and letting God do the supernatural in our lives. We said that we were supposed to be fishers of men. We looked at the, the first disciples. They were called out of a fishing industry and just ordinary men, disciples, but they had supernatural results when they started fishing for men. And we see that in Scripture and we know that today the need for us to go to, to do what God has called us to do, like the song just said, is even higher, even more important today. And I'm just wondering, how many of you have been fishing this week for souls? Anybody uh, given out your uh, little uh, activity we gave you last week? If you were not here last week, we want to encourage you to take one of these bags of M&Ms inside of here. We have 10 connection cards that just says, we hope this sweetens your day. It's got on the back, it says, uh, from the Gateway Church, uh, we love you. It's got our um, name and our service times and then some M&Ms. And I hope that you've been utilizing these this week. I know some of you have uh, gone out to the, uh, uh, to, the, to the mall or just in your neighborhood. A couple of you said, hey, I'm going to give those to some of my relatives, and that's excellent. And our goal is to give out 1,000 of these little communication touches within the next, from now till Easter, believing God by when we do this, just something very natural, that God is going to supernaturally touch people's lives. 
And uh, we're praying in that direction. We're hoping and praying for uh, that we would be able to see 200 people on Easter Sunday morning. And so we want you to be praying and asking God uh, for that uh, together. And we believe that that is possible. And you know what? I had the experience this week. I had the choice. Uh, was I going to do this myself? You know, I'm leading the way. I should do this. How many of you think that I should participate in giving out some of these? Well, I grabbed a bag and headed towards uh, Thursday night basketball. And, Tony, you play with me on Thursday night. I waited till Tony left, right? <laughs> because, uh, no, I was, but I was nervous. It was awkward. I, for me, and you're saying, really? Even for you, Pastor? And I just want you to know, once I took the step of faith to say, okay, guys, hey, this is something we're doing at our church. I'm, I, and I told him, I said, I'm encouraging uh, all of our people to give these out and uh, believe in God to do something really cool at our church. I just kind of said it like that. And once I started to say that, it was like no big deal. The fear was gone. And we're going to talk about fear this morning here in a second, but I want you to take this. And we've got a couple extra bags. If you feel led to take an extra bag, not to eat, but to give, uh, we want to encourage you to do that. And if you weren't here, especially in that last week, I want to encourage you to do that, to participate. And what we said at the end of last week is that there's no excuse. No excuses. And uh, oftentimes, we underestimate our ability to make an impact. But we know that if we do something natural, God will do the supernatural. That's what we looked at last week. And I just want to also say, Jesus is ready to pick you this week to use you in a supernatural way. Let that be a prophetic word to you this morning. He's ready to pluck you out and to use you in a powerful way this week. And so, and again, our goal in this series is to lessen the gap between our knowledge and under, our understanding and our experience. So we, we are, that our knowledge and our experience comes together and that we can experience God in a powerful way. Well, today we are going to look at the number one, I believe, thing that will keep us from making an impact in God's kingdom, especially as it's related to a supernatural God. And it's not money. It's not time. It's not our resources. It's not technology. It's not our backgrounds even, although we're going to look at that. It's not our lack of opportunity or need. It's not even our lack of ability that keeps us from making an impact in the kingdom of God. What it is for many of us, maybe for all of us, it's fear. It paralyzes us. And you know what? It's part of Satan's plan to get you to be inactive. And we're going to look at what that means uh, today. We're going to address the fear that's associated with a supernatural God, with the Holy Spirit's activity in our lives. And I want to do a little experiment this morning. And, I, and 100% of you, I want you to participate, okay? Um, what I'm going to ask you to do, I'm going to read some different backgrounds, some religious backgrounds that you might have been raised up in. And when I just, when I say the, the kind of the, the, uh, the church experience maybe that you had growing up, I just want you to stand right where you are, all right? And, uh, and then everyone will be standing by the end. We'll make sure of that, okay? So are there any, is there anyone here that has come, that was kind of uh, born and raised uh, from a Reformed background. All right, just stand up. Anybody from a Reformed background? All right, nope. All right, how about free Methodists or Methodists? Yes, we got a couple. You're not alone, Greg. All right, very good. All right, any Catholic background, all right? 
I know we got a couple of Catholics. All right, good. Catholic background. How about Presbyterian? All right, a few Presbyterians. Uh, anybody from an Anglican background? How about uh, you'd say, hey, I just came from a non-religious background. We'll get that one. All right. All right. It's just didn't grow up in church. How many uh, Baptists? Any Baptist background here? All right. A few Baptists. Good. Um, how about you'd say I would characterize my upbringing as non-denominational. That's kind of a uh, catchphrase. All right. And then any Pentecostals uh, here? Uh, Pentecostal background. And then if I didn't say yours, um, just yell it out. Lutheran. Yes. What else? Mormon. Yes. What else? Church of Christ, stand up. Anybody else? You grew up in this church. Stand up. We're Pentecostal, brother. <laughs> All right. So is everyone standing? Am I missing anyone? What, what, what do you got, Randy? What background? You just didn't stand up. Okay. All right. No problem. All right. So the fact is you can be seated. We all come from a variety of backgrounds. And I really believe that it's beautiful that we can worship together in a setting like this. To come in, and the fact is, is when we talk about any type of theology, any type, when we read Scripture, we have different ideas, unique perspectives on the Holy Spirit, especially in His ministry. Do we agree that that's true? And it's, the fact is that we all carry some baggage, and I know that's kind of a, a derogatory, and even good baggage, and, and we harbor stereotypes when it comes to the Holy Spirit. So our backgrounds are unique. We all bring something different to the table. And for some of us, our experiences give us great excitement when we talk about the Holy Spirit. Anticipation and expectancy. Certainly that was my experience. I grew up in the church and in a Pentecostal environment, and I saw the Holy Spirit at work. And when I think about the Holy Spirit's activity, to me, that's exciting. For others, though, their experience causes concern. They're saying, I'm not so sure about this. There's reservation. Maybe they saw some abuses in, in, uh, uh, in the way Scripture was carried out in their church experience or in their home. In fact, I, I, I won't say who, but there was uh, someone this week I was talking to, and they said that in their home, they, their parents would speak in tongues going down the aisle at the grocery store and they just remember being embarrassed by that. And, uh, and so it's like, okay, was there some abuse? We don't know. But, you know, there are some that may be here this morning. In your experience with the Holy Spirit, you're saying, I'm kind of hands off. There's other people that will boast in the Holy Spirit, but there's no fruit in their lives. And that's a problem, I would say. Others, they speak of the Holy Spirit only in theoretical or scholarly terms, never experiencing the Holy Spirit. And there's others that just flat out ignore the Holy Spirit. They just say, well, well, we'll avoid all of that. Let me ask a question. You don't have to raise your hand, but have you ever been frustrated in your walk with the Lord? Disappointed? Maybe you've wanted to receive something from God and you prayed and you asked God for His supernatural power to reveal or to give you something or to be used by God? And then all of a sudden you prayed, you've, you've sought God, and it seems like nothing happened. That's happened to me when I was 16 years old on my very first missions trip uh, in Mexico City. I've told this story to a few of you, but I was 
16 years old, pretty bold in my walk with the Lord. We're on a missions trip. The Holy Spirit's moving powerfully, using people in witness, and people are getting saved and healed. And I felt the Holy Spirit, I believe it was the Holy Spirit, encouraged me to pray with a lady that came rolling in in a wheelchair. And so I went over just by myself, and I prayed for this lady, and I believed in my heart without a shadow of a doubt that that lady was going to stand up and walk walk home that day. I prayed earnestly, prayed in the Spirit, prayed, asked God for Him to move in a powerful way. And I walked away a little disappointed. She didn't get up. And I'm saying, did I miss it? Did I miss you, Holy Spirit, that you encouraged me to pray for this person? There's other fears related to the Holy Spirit. The fear of rejection. Rejection can be paralyzing. My reputation or, or even the reputation of our church. There are some of you here that would say, you know, I, I'm concerned about our reputation. We were Pentecostal, but if we get too crazy, we don't want to do that. How about this? The fear of being wrong. We say, I'm going to pray for something, and then all of a sudden we're wrong in our, in the, the, that we miss it. Or we become defensive. We're quick to disagree when we talk about the Holy Spirit. Or we turn to a proof text that we learned as a kid, and, and we turn to our learned arguments. That's really challenged me recently. I meet with a, a guy uh, almost every week, and we've been talking about the Holy Spirit because I've been preaching on the Holy Spirit, and he comes from a different background. And we've, it's really challenged me saying, okay, am I going to just turn to my the, the, the typical AG answer, or am I going to search the Scripture a little deeper so, again, that it becomes real to me? There's a fear of what if. What if God doesn't come through? What if I pray and nothing happens? What if I miss it? And maybe there's many of us, and my guess is that there are, there's many of us here today that at one point in our life or another, our faith has been shaken. Our beliefs have been challenged. Could we just, you know, by show of hands, how many at one point, maybe even today, your faith has been shaken before? You've questioned some of these things? Is this real? And what happens if we are shaken, and I'm not saying this is where you are, but it's certainly possible that instead of asking God for more of Him, we ask for less, or we expect less of God, or we're satisfied with less of God because of our past, because of fear. We can almost convince ourselves that we have all the God that we need or all that we could have. But that's not what God's Word says. The mysteries of God are unfathomable. They're so incredible. They're so great. But what happens is we end up staying quiet rather than being wrong. We fear, and it's very true, that we say, well, if it gets too crazy, I'm out of here. But what I want you to know this morning is what we're seeking, what your heart, the heart of your pastor is, is that we're seeking the authentic, the real, genuine God. A move of God that is for real. And I want you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13, and 14 give you some background here why Paul is writing to the Corinthian church about the Holy Spirit's activity. 
um, what I want you to know here is that the Holy Spirit is active in the early church. We see it from the uh, day of Pentecost, Acts 2, uh, verse 4. The Holy Spirit fell on the early church, and the Holy Spirit continued to fall on the church. But what was happening in this circumstance, and why Paul is writing to the Corinth church, there was some division. There was some strife that was related to the Holy Spirit's movement. And you could just see the devil's plan to get in there, to, to, to cause questions, to cause sin, to, to, uh, to intermingle in with the community of believers, for immaturity to take control. In fact, uh, Paul calls the Corinthian church um, babes in Christ earlier in, uh, in the book. And they, what's happened is they forgot why they're together. They forgot the importance of unity, of the unity of the Bible. And then there was just flat out some error in the way that the Holy Spirit was working and moving in the early church. Some of the error was uh, that the, the gifts were, were, mere, were, were theirs to, per, to possess. And it's interesting, we'll read some verses here, that the, uh, the verses talk about the manifestations of the gifts of the Spirit. And that word manifestation, when we read it, I want you to know that is a temporary word, almost like a flash of lightning, temporarily for a moment. So he's saying, look, there's not a prophet among you, or there's not, you don't possess the gift of healing, or you don't possess the gift of working of miracles, or the gift of discerning of spirits. It's a manifestation, a flash for a temporary time. He also addresses the error that some gifts are more important than others in, this, in these three chapters. Or how the gifts work together. He, he talks about the unity of the body. And he also addresses that, that, that apparently at that point, certain gifts were complete, they thought that were completely unnecessary. And so there was quite a bit going on in the early church. And so he wrote this, these three chapters that are, would speak to us today that, that will help us in our uh, in our walking with the Lord. I'm going to ask my wife to come and read some verses. Um, come on up here for a second. <laughs> I didn't ask her in, in advance, but turn with me, to, if you're not there, to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. All right, we're going to read verses 1 through 11 first, all right? Now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom, to another, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between Spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And he gives them to each one just as he determines. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, 
Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many from one bo- form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. And then I want you to see in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, it says this, It is he who gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. And what we're seeing here is a list of, of, uh, of spiritual gifts uh, at different times. You can be seated, Jessica. <laughs> As she's looking at me like, am I done? And then, yeah, give her a hand. She's awesome, isn't she? 1 Corinthians chapter 12, back there, verse 28. Uh, I want you to, to come back there. It says this. It says, in the, in the church, God had appointed, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then workers of miracles, and also those having gifts of healing, those able to help others, those with gifts of administration, and those in speaking in different kinds of tongues. Then in verse 29... It, the, he's asking the question, are all apostles? And the answer is no. Are all teachers or prophets? No. Do all work miracles? No. Do all have the gift of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But eagerly desire, verse 31, spiritual gifts. Then it goes into a chapter that talks about that you can have these spiritual gifts active in your life, but if you don't have love, you're just a sound like a like a big bell, a, a, a resounding bong, a clanging cymbal. And he takes and says, look, it better be covered in love. And then we come to chapter uh, 14, verse 1. Again, he says, look, follow the way of love. He says that's the most important thing. And then he says to eagerly desire spiritual gifts. Now, that was a lot of reading, a lot of different verses uh, about the gifts of the Spirit. L- different lists, different categories of gifts. These spiritual gifts are all spiritual in nature, whether it's teaching or administration or working of miracles. What I want you to know is they're all given by God, always to glorify Jesus. It's for His glory. What I also want you to know is that you don't possess those gifts. We don't possess those gifts. It's temporary. It, the manifestation of these things are temporary. Now, you say, well, I, I feel like I've got a gift of administration, or I, I have a gift to teach. Well, those are natural gifts. Those are things that in your life. But it's possible that for a moment, Jesus would come upon you, the Holy Spirit would come on you to to use you in a way that would be supernatural. It's part of God's unmerited favor in our lives because we are nothing without him. And the focus, what I want us to see here, is that it's all wrapped up in the context of unity, working together as the body, all of us needing each other. And, of course, it has to be covered in love. Now, what's interesting, what we didn't read in these verses 
is that when the Holy Spirit comes on you, that it'll overtake you, that it will, uh, you know, cause you to do something uh, without your control. What you also didn't see is that what you don't see disorder. In fact, the reason that he was writing this was to, to create order in the church. The other thing is that when the Holy Spirit is used in these ways, it's not confusing. In fact, it should be a sign to believers and unbelievers of the Holy Spirit's work in your lives. And the last thing, it's not man-made. But these things are supernatural gifts. They are often used in conjunction with one another. And what's also interesting as you study uh, the book of Acts and really the whole New Testament is that these verses or these spiritual gifts are used primarily outside of the four walls of what we would consider church. Outside of the meeting together is when you see those gifts active in Scripture and even in our own lives. I want you to turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1. There's a couple of verses that I want to see here, want us to look at here, that are really, really powerful when we consider our walk with the Lord and our, the supernatural activity in our lives. And the fact is, is that, like we said, there's many of us that have had experiences or whatever that causes some fear. And what I want you to see here is that fear is not from the Lord. All right, so in 2 Timothy chapter uh, 1, verse 7, it says this. In the Amplified, it says, For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, of cowardice, of craven or cringing and fawning fear. God did not give us a spirit of fear, but he has given us a spirit of power and of love and of calm and well-balanced mind and discipline and self-control. The thing we have to come to grips with, that if there is fear in our lives in regards to the activity of the Spirit being used by the Spirit of God, we need to give that fear over to the Lord. We need to, we need to uh, talk about it, and we'll talk about that in a second, but that we got to understand that fear is not from God. There's another verse that really helps me when I think about these gifts of the Spirit and our responsibility in using these gifts. And I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. Listen to what it says. It says, However, we possess this precious treasure, the divine light of the gospel in frail human vessels of earth. Uh, one version says in jars of dirt or in clay pots that the grander and exceeding greatness of the power may be shown to be from God and not from ourselves. When you put this verse in context with the activity of the Holy Spirit that is potential in our lives, it really is fearing. It's freeing. And we can really uh, tackle the fear that is often uh, associated with being used by the Holy Spirit. The fact is, is that we are dirt buckets. <laughs> now, I know you can go around, go, go around and leave here and say, hey, pastor called me a dirt bucket, and that's okay, because that's what God's Word says. We are earth. We're made out of the dust. We are 
God's chosen vessels, but we're made from the dust of the earth. And what it is, it's the treasure inside of us that's the Spirit. Now, the reason that this is so important for us to understand is that there's some fear in my life, if I'm honest, and maybe in your life, that if I'm going to be used by the Spirit of God, what if I don't get it 100% right? Well, this verse addresses it. We get the treasure, the Holy Spirit, that's God, but it's working through a broken earthly vessel. So is it possible that we might get it 100% right? I think it is. We can hear from God, and it could be 100% right. But you know what's also possible? That we would get it 80% right, and maybe 20% of our flesh, or some misunderstanding, or 70% right, or 50% right. Or do you know what? It's even possible. We could totally miss God and get it 100% wrong. And you know what? That is okay. Do you know why it's okay? Because God is drawn to our weakness. He's promised, and we talked about this last week, to take what we can do naturally, and He is the one that does what? The supernatural. So we can take the fear and kind of put that aside and say, you know what, God? I'd rather not miss you and try than just to ignore your working in my life. And you know what? As a group of individuals that love the Lord, we need to embrace each other as we explore the gifts of the Spirit. And this is a great breeding ground for the Holy Spirit to be active in our lives. Young people, old people, all the way through, it's important that we have a, a freedom to exercise, to try the gifts of the Spirit. But there is one legitimate fear that we do need to address. If you turn in your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19 through 22, it talks about quenching the Holy Spirit. And that quenching is as if you were putting out a fire. Listen to what it says. It says, do not quench or suppress or subdue the Holy Spirit. Do not spurn the gifts of the gifts and utterances utterances of the prophet do not depreciate prophetic revelations nor despise inspired instruction or exhortation or warning wow we are not to quench the spirit we are not to look at those prophetic utterances with contempt or with arrogance or we not to reject prophecy or to have wrong attitudes but instead it tells us how we are to approach these gifts, and especially in light that we are broken vessels, that we are dirt buckets that God chooses to use, listen to what it says, but test and prove all things. It's not that we rate, okay, well, that prophetic word was a 10, or that was a 5, or man, they got 1% right, <laughs> and, we, and that's not the kind of testing that we do. We test and prove Listen, until you can recognize what is good. Is it possible for the gifts of the Holy Spirit to be working 
and to, to be most of the way correct and to have some flesh in that, it's very possible because we are earthen vessels that God chooses to use. Now, the treasure is perfect. The vessel, the way it comes out, can be tainted. And to me, that is freeing, that thought. But we test it. We look until we recognize what is good, what resonates with God's Word, what resonates at what, with what God is doing in those moments. And then it says to hold fast to that. Then verse 22 says, Abstain from evil, shrink from it, and keep aloof from it in whatever form or whatever kind it may be. Very powerful. We are not to quench the Spirit. Instead, we're supposed to take the good, hold fast to that. And so we need to keep our attitudes or the idea that we would have have contempt around the working of the Holy Spirit or an arrogance. And we need to address these things in our own lives. Now, are our actions, our lifestyles, are they grieving the Holy Spirit? Are you even concerned with breaking this command? I hope you are. And the fact is, is that without knowing many times, we can quench the Spirit and His moving just because of fear that's gripping us or that we've allowed to take control in our lives. What fears do you have about the Holy Spirit? My guess is that all of us would have something, maybe some of us more than others, that we would have some fears. What attitudes or what responses do we have when it comes to the Holy Spirit? Are you hiding from your fears? I want to encourage you and encourage myself to do three things when it comes to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The first thing is I want to encourage you to be honest with yourself. Be honest with yourself saying, okay, God, how do I read your scripture? How am I interpreting this? And saying, God, okay, I want the, the Spirit to move, but I'm afraid. Be honest in that. The second is to be honest with God, to be able to communicate that to God and say, okay, not only am I honest with myself, but I'm going to be honest with God because he knows it anyway. But to acknowledge that and say, you know what? I've got some fear, some apprehension around the working of the Holy Spirit. And then I would encourage you to do a third thing, is to be honest with others. Here in the body of Christ, or maybe in your circles uh, where you live and where you work, to be honest with others. Because when you're honest with yourself and with God and with others, I believe that that shows a teachableness that God can use. He can shape you. He can form you. What I often say, for those that struggle in these areas of the gifts of the Spirit or working uh, in the Spirit, is to be open, to be teachable, saying, God, I want your Word to be alive to me. And if this is in your Word, reveal it to me. Let it, let it uh, resonate right here in the pit of my stomach. And, and then, if it does, then take a step of faith to be used in these gifts. And then I want to talk about one other thing as we, as we close. And Brennan, you can come at this point. What kind of environment do we want here at the Gateway Church? I think it's important for us to address. How can we encourage one another? 
like Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25 says, to encourage each other. See, the fact is, is that we cannot afford to ignore the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the supernatural God. We need to face our fears. And I would say we need to be even willing. We need to be willing to fail, to miss it. I was talking with Pastor Mark this week, and Pastor Mark, why don't you come here just for a second? And he told me just the greatest story that just kind of releases some fear about something that happened in his life when you were a young man. Yeah, this was when I was in Bible College at North Central, and I was with a team of uh, college students from North Central and from all over Minnesota. There was about 200 of us in all. And uh, we were spending a week doing some very intense, intense ministry. We, it was during Mardi Gras. We were on the streets of New Orleans uh, for the week leading up to Mardi Gras. And you can just imagine the intense spiritual warfare that takes place doing ministry like that. So we would spend literally between six and eight hours every day before going out in the evening time. Uh, we would spend six to eight hours in services, in prayer, in worship, just really doing spiritual warfare before we got there. And um, so it was a heightened time of just being aware of the Spirit and working in the Spirit. And it was a great time to even be able to experiment with things that I felt God was doing in my heart about being used in gifts of the Spirit. And um, I've, I was one that grew up in a Pentecostal background, so I eagerly wanted to be used in spiritual gifts. I had seen others, and I thought, God, I want to be used like that to help people to serve. Uh, to serve. And so um, during one of these prayer times, uh, there was people just praying for individuals all over. And, and uh, I went to one of our group leaders who was a pastor from Texas, and I went to pray over him. And, and I just felt the Lord really burdened my heart for some specific things, uh, what I believed was a, a word of knowledge or a prophetic prayer for this individual. So I began to pray about some very specific things that I felt were going on in his life, specifically about his daughter and feeling that maybe he had a daughter that was sick and dealing with some, you know, doctor issues. And so I just really began to pray fervently for uh, this uh, pastor that I'd gotten to know and and his daughter that I just believed, you know, was probably struggling with all these different things. And, and afterward, because it was such a great, you know, ex learning experience, I said, hey, I, I'm new to this. This is not something I do all the time. I don't go around just doing this. Was any of that on? Was it right? You know, and just really humbly wanting to know, you know, help me. And uh, he just smiled and put his arm around me. And, uh, and I'll never forget this moment. He said, Mark, first of all, thank you for being obedient to what you felt God putting on your heart. The truth is, I don't have a daughter. <laughs> and right away, I just thought, oh, Lord, 0% right. <laughs> you know, but... What he said next so encouraged me and changed my whole perspective of how I think about being used in the gifts of the Spirit. He said, but listen, Mark, don't be discouraged. He said, we don't know, you know, what that was. You and I don't know. I may have a daughter that hasn't been born yet that God was calling you to pray for. And maybe years from now, God will help me remember this time when you prayed for this daughter that wasn't even born yet. I don't know. Or maybe there was something else. Maybe you missed it a little bit. Maybe it was like that 80-20 and you just missed a piece of it, you know. We don't know. But don't be discouraged. 
the most important thing in all of this is that you stepped out in faith. And you know what? That just spoke to me. And so as a result of his response in love and kindness, not quenching the Spirit's work in my life, um, I was encouraged to continue asking God to, to use me. And we don't have time, but I could tell you some amazing stories of other times I stepped out in faith to pray prophetically or pray for healing and see instant miraculous works of God that can't be explained any other way. But it, it all goes back to, I think, his response in love. Thanks. Isn't that a great story? And it's so true. You know, when I prayed for my friend or this lady in the wheelchair, I don't know what happened after we left. She may have been healed and walking today. I don't know. But we leave that in God's hands. And the fact is, is that we are just called to be vessels for God to use. And he's interested in using us in some supernatural ways. And I hope you believe that. When we look at uh, second, or 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and I want you to turn with me one more time there. Jessica read the entirety. It starts off by saying about spiritual gifts, he's talking to a group of people that are already experiencing the gifts of the Holy Spirit at work in the church. He says, I don't want you to be ignorant. He says, I don't want you to be stupid about spiritual gifts. He says, I want you to know. And then he lists different kinds of gifts, all related to the same spirit. Remember the context of unity in the body. And what's interesting about these gifts is that they're not spooky. They're not, uh, they're not like, you know, over the top. They're very natural. The first one is a message of wisdom or a message of knowledge or a message of faith or a gift of faith, a gift of healing or miraculous powers, a gift of prophecy or distinguishing between spirits to another speaking in different kinds of tongues to still another interpreting tongues. And what I want you to know is that these gifts are natural. There's nothing scary about them. There's nothing spooky about them. And then he goes on to, to say, do all people work in all of these things? And the answer is no. But would you be willing for God to work in you through these areas? Verse 31 says, but eagerly desire these gifts. He's telling that to a group of people that are already utilizing the gifts of the Spirit. And as you're a listener today, maybe you've been filled with the Spirit. Maybe you've, maybe you've experienced the presence of God in a supernatural way. And he would say, for you to eagerly desire these gifts to be at work in your life. And then he, of course, takes the love chapter and says it needs to be covered in love. Verse, chapter 14, verse 1, follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts. He says it again. So what about you? Do you take that encouragement from Paul as a word from the Lord for you today? 
to eagerly desire God's presence, His supernatural power in your life? Or are you going to let fear grip you? I love the idea that we're like earthen vessels. We're, we're just jar clays, jars of clay, dirt, dirt buckets. Another way you could look at it is as if we are a hose. Now, if you can imagine yourself being out in the lawn, uh, a hose, maybe some water is caught in that hose, and uh, in, maybe it's the middle of the summer, and the summer sun has been beaten down on that hose, and you go to get a, a great, fresh drink of water, you turn on the hose, and you, you're ready. Here, you can almost hear the water coming. You get your mouth down there. What comes out at first? Some hot water, maybe stinky, maybe you know, maybe some dirt and some other things that have accumulated. Maybe a little animal. I don't know, bugs. But the water's flowing, and the longer you let the water flow out that hose. It becomes more clear. It becomes good. And you know what's interesting? If you're rusty this morning, if it's been a long time since the Holy Spirit's used you in the ordinary, let's turn on the hose. And you know what? When it starts to flow, it may not look pretty. We might miss it sometimes. We may still miss it. Even the most mature believer and that's why we're called to test and to pull out the good and then to hold fast to what's good. But are you willing this morning to turn on the faucet and say, God, work through me. Work through me. I'm a hose. I'm a dirt bucket. And I want treasures from heaven to be active in my life. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes this morning. This morning, the fact is, is that we all need Jesus. If you're here this morning, and I know uh, just by looking around, all of my faces are familiar, but I don't want to give you, uh, don't, I don't want to miss an opportunity. And if you're away from the Lord this morning, um, and you need Jesus to forgive you of your sin, uh, I want to encourage you to do that. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, this morning, would you surrender and just say, Jesus, save me? The Bible says that if we admit we're a sinner and if we believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, the ABCs of salvation is how we describe that, that in those moments and when we do that, we are saved. It's not the words that we say, but it's our belief in our heart. And if you need Jesus this morning, I'm just interested to know, is there anyone here, there's an opportunity for you to surrender your life to the Lord. Just slip up your hand here this morning. If you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, yeah, put one hand up. Anyone else would say, yeah, that's me. The Holy Spirit's working in my life. And I, I just believe that I need to, to have a Savior for God to cleanse me clean me up. Anyone else saying, yeah, that's me. I'm away from the Lord this morning. Yeah. Anyone else? Praise the Lord. I want us to, just to do something here for the moment. 
want you to turn to the neighbor that's closest to you and just say, do you know Jesus as your personal Savior? And if they answer yes, that's great. Put your head back down. If they don't, would you encourage them just to lift their hand in this moment? Just say, yep, forgive me. Anyone at all? Could we pray with this one and just encourage him? Would you repeat a prayer after me? It's not the words of the prayer that save you. It's the belief in your heart. Uh, But let's do that together. Say, dear Heavenly Father, please forgive me for all my sins. Come into my life and to make me whole. I'm sorry for the wrong. And I know that you can save me. So I put my faith in you. Lord, help me today and each day to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Pretty awesome, amen? And God is moving, and that's important for us to realize that. The second thing I want us to challenge us with is the idea that it's possible to quench the Holy Spirit. Our attitude, maybe it's arrogance, We treat prophecy or any of the working of the Spirit with contempt. Or maybe we just flat out reject what the Bible says is true. And it could be because of fear or because of your past experiences or because of your background, uh, theologically even how you just view Scripture. But if you're here this morning in a few moments and you've been quenching the Spirit and you know deep down inside of you that that's the case, I'm going to encourage you to surrender that to the Lord, to ask for forgiveness. Say, God, forgive me. And then to ask God to do the next thing. For you to desire the Holy Spirit's activity in your life. For it to be present in your life. And for some, to even ask that would be a step of faith. For others, you'd say, well, sure, I want the Holy Spirit to be active in my life. Well, the fact is, in the pattern of Scripture, we don't have time to look at it today, is that the gifts of the Spirit really are more active outside of the body of believers. Maybe as you're witnessing, and there's a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge that just all of a sudden comes and redirects the way that you are uh, you're, you're talking. Or maybe the something supernatural happens uh, in the in the way of, of a miracle. Uh, you pray and, and God moves in a powerful way. It happens outside of these four walls. And would we be willing this morning to turn the hose on and to let the Spirit move through us? If you're interested this morning in saying, God, help me to turn on the hose and to let you work through me in a powerful way, I want you just to stand where you are, and I'm going to ask that you just come and just find a place at the altar here this morning. We're going to spend some time seeking the Lord. Brendan is prepared to kind of lead us and uh, just in some some simple songs that kind of help us prepare our hearts. But if you're here this morning saying, that's my desire, is to be used by God in a supernatural way, 
and to put some of this fear aside, my attitude or arrogance or the idea of rejecting or quenching the Spirit aside and just embracing who God is, I want you to come and to find yourself at the altar. And I'm going to come around and I'm going to pray for you. Nothing, nothing crazy, but I want to pray and ask God just to move. And, uh, and so let's do that. If you're and if you don't want to move, that's okay. Just sit still here for a moment, and we'll uh, we'll have a, an official dismissal. But if you're interested, say, God, I want you to move in my life again or continue to move. Come and join us, and we're going to pray. you to as well to respond. Let's find ourselves here at the altar and say, why do I have to move? Well, there's something powerful about standing, about moving, that moves you and uh, just it recognizes uh, what God is doing in your life. And I believe that it's the first step of faith that God wants to many times to, to just get a hold of you say, it's going to be okay. Uh, to seek him and to find him. And so I want to just encourage you. And again, if you're if you don't want to respond, that's okay. I want you just to hang tight before we leave here this morning.